Hey, good morning, everybody. Really good to see you guys. I hope you enjoyed your extra hour of sleep last night, and I hope that extra sleep helps you stay awake in the sermon this morning. I'll be keeping an eye on you. And I do want to welcome everybody here, including those of you who are watching online. And if you happen to be new to our church, you picked a great Sunday to be here because we're starting this new sermon series. It's called Legacy. And I'm excited to dive into this series, but first, I want to mention that today is Election Sunday at Plum Creek. And some of you may not be familiar with church elections, so I wanted to give a quick explanation here. At churches like Plum Creek, uh, we follow the New Testament pattern for how a church is organized and run. And in the New Testament, you see two different leadership roles, elders and deacons. An elder is a spiritual overseer, and a deacon is a servant leader. Now, these are very important roles. So, our current leaders, every year, they approach certain individuals who meet the biblical qualifications for elder or deacon, and they uh, invite them to, uh, in, uh, to be a part of the church in these leadership roles. But then we take those names and we bring them to the congregation for a vote. And this is not so much a political process, it's really more of an affirmation. And, and here's the, the significance. If any of these uh, leaders on the ballot uh, do not meet the biblical qualifications, it's important that the leadership knows about that. Uh, so it's really helpful uh, to have this vote. And if you are a, an official member of Plum Creek, we invite you to go out and vote at the Information Center after the service today. If you have questions about the candidates or about the roles of elder and deacon, there is an insert in your bulletin this morning that will give you more information. If you have questions about membership at Plum Creek, feel free to stop by the cafe on your way out today or come see me after service, or you can go to plumcreek.org connect. But I have to say that it really is good for the whole church to be involved in this process because God calls us to function as one body, and every member of the body is important. Now, we'll announce these election results this coming Wednesday at our Vision Night, and I hope you can be here Wednesday because at Vision Night, we'll, we'll look over the past year and celebrate some of the great things God has done in this year of the kingdom. And we'll also look ahead to where God is leading us in the coming year. All right, having said all that, I want to tell you what this sermon series is about. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be asking this question. What kind of legacy will we leave behind after we're gone? What are we passing down to the next generation? Now, that, that's a challenging thing to think about. Now, sometimes uh, people think about a legacy in terms of money, but that's not what we're talking about here. We're, we're talking about the impact your life will have on others after you're gone. And we want to be intentional about building a great legacy. It's important to be intentional because no one leaves a great legacy by accident. This doesn't happen by chance. So we're going to look to God, and we're going to ask Him to help us have the kind of impact for His kingdom that goes on and on and on for generations. And as we get started, I want to go back to the Old Testament. 
In Psalm 78, there is a great example of what it looks like to be intentional about leaving a great legacy. So read along with me, Psalm 78, starting with verse 1. It says, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. And we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. Now, I don't know who wrote this, but thousands of years ago, this person was in the same exact position that we're in today. All of us, just like the writer of this psalm, all of us have ancestors, people who came before us. And we also have future generations that will follow along behind us. And right now, in this pivotal moment, we have an opportunity to take the lessons of the past and pass down those lessons to our children and our children's children, and so on and so on. We have this opportunity to leave a great legacy to the next generation. So the writer of this psalm, he's very clear about this. He says, I know the legacy that I want to leave. I know the story that I want to tell. I, I, I want to tell the next generation about my great God. I want to tell them about his power, about his mighty works, about his glory. I want them to know him the way I know him. So the psalmist is very intentional here. And I want to ask, what about you? What kind of story do you want your life to tell? I'm sure you realize that one way or another, your life will tell some kind of story. It could be an inspiring story. It could also be a cautionary tale. The cool thing is, you get to participate in writing your life story. And some people take that to kind of an extreme. Uh, earlier this week, I was reading through a lot of obituaries, and that might sound a little morbid, but it was actually interesting. I found several obituaries that people wrote about themselves before they died. Uh, I'll, I'll read you one example. This one is from a man named Angus MacDonald. Angus MacDonald lived in Nova Scotia, Canada, and he passed away in 2016. And the obituary he wrote was kind of long, so I'll just give you a few excerpts. He said, So, the world doesn't have Angus MacDonald to kick around anymore. I'm gone. The Grim Reaper came for me on Friday, March 25th, 2016. I bought the farm. I bit the dust. I had some serious health, health problems the last few years, but survived them, up till now anyway. So anyway, I think I was a pretty nice guy, despite being a former punk and despite what some people would say about me. What did they know about me anyway? I loved my family and cared for them through good times and bad. I did my best. So two observations here. Number one, I find it a little suspicious that old Angus knew the exact day he was going to die before he died, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll assume that someone came along later and, and put that date in the obituary after he was gone. But here's my second observation. Angus is trying to leave a simple, positive legacy here. He said, I was a nice guy. I love my family. 
I did my best. And, you know, you could actually do a lot worse than that. I read another obituary that's not quite so impressive. Uh, This one caught my eye because the guy's name was Doug. Douglas Legler of Fargo, North Dakota. He wrote his own obituary too, and it was short and sweet. This time I will read you the whole thing. He said, Doug died. (laughs) And that statement was certainly true, but it's not much of a story, is it? So I'll ask you again, what kind of story do you want your life to tell? More importantly, what kind of story does God want your life to tell? And before you answer that question, I want to point out that there's more than one way to tell a story. You can tell a story with your words, and we all do that in in some way or another. But you can also tell the story of your life by your actions, by how you live. And, And this is important. The life you live builds a much stronger legacy, a greater legacy than the words you speak. And we know this don't we? You can talk about certain things you say you believe, but people will remember what you do more than what you say. For example, you can say that you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, but if your actions don't back up those words, the words are meaningless. In the Bible, you can find lots of people who left a great legacy, not only by what they said, but also by what they did. And some of these people are are kind of the all-stars of the Bible. In the Old Testament, you've got people like Abraham and Joseph and Esther and Daniel and so on and so on. Uh, In the New Testament, there's one person who left a great legacy that really stands out. It's the Apostle Paul. Paul is definitely one of those all-stars. After a life-changing encounter with Jesus, he became one of the most effective, if not the most effective missionaries of all time. He planted more churches and led more people to Jesus than anyone could count. And then on top of that, he was inspired by God to write about half of the books of the New Testament. So the legacy he left was huge. But then it's interesting, as you read the books that Paul wrote, you find lots of lesser-known people who also left a great legacy, despite the fact that many of us don't even know their names. One example was a man named Onesiphorus. You ever heard of this guy? Uh, A lot of us haven't heard of him, partly because he he has a difficult name to pronounce. We might avoid, avoid even saying his name. But also, we don't, we're not familiar with him because the Bible doesn't say very much. We do get a little information in Paul's second letter to Timothy. And check this out. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16. Paul writes, May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. And when he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show special kindness on the day of Christ's return to him. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. And that's all we get. Just these three verses, that's everything we know about Onesiphorus. But even in this tiny bio, we see that he, led, uh, he left a great legacy. What do we learn here? 
We learned that Onesiphorus was a follower of Jesus. He was a, a co-worker with Paul in the work of the church. We also see that it looks like his entire household followed Jesus. I'm sure he was a major influence there. And we also see he, he, was, he was kind. He was encouraging. He was brave. He was a loyal friend. He sacrificed his comfort and safety for the sake of his friend Paul. And this is what I'm talking about. We have no record of anything Onesiphorus said, but his actions spoke volumes. He's a great example of this principle. The life you live builds a stronger legacy than the words you speak. But we learned something else here. You don't have to be a superstar to leave a great legacy. Onesiphorus wasn't a superstar, but he still left that legacy. And as you read through 2 Timothy, in, in this particular book, you see lots of people like that. So I, I want to take a look at 2 Timothy today. Uh, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a young man named, appropriately, Timothy. And Timothy was fairly young when he first met Paul. And at that point in his life, Timothy really needed a strong male role model. And Paul kind of became a spiritual father for him. And when Paul wrote this particular letter, his time on earth was coming to a close. He knew that his days were numbered. So he gives Timothy some words of encouragement. And in this letter, we can learn a lot about how to leave a great legacy. Now, we don't have time to do an in-depth study of 2 Timothy today, but I want to point out a few things here, and then I encourage you to read the whole letter later this week. It's, it's not very long. But if you have a Bible or a Bible app, go ahead and pull up 2 Timothy if you haven't done that already. And I want to read Paul's introduction in chapter 1, verse 2. This is where Paul says, I am writing to Timothy, my dear son. My God, the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Lord, give you grace, mercy, and peace. So right here, Paul speaks as a spiritual father to his dear son. We can see that they had a close relationship. However, we soon learn that Paul wasn't the only one who had a, a strong spiritual influence on Timothy's life. Look down at verse 5. Paul says, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first lived, first filled your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. And I think this is very cool. Uh, all of a sudden, we meet two more important people in Timothy's life, his grandmother and his mother. And what we see here is a legacy of spiritual faithfulness that was passed down over three generations, grandma to mom to son. And by the way, I see this a lot. I talk to many people who say, actually, it was my mom or my grandma who took me to church and taught me right and prayed for me every day. And I have to say, I am so thankful for the mothers and the grandmothers who are faithful women of God. Women like that leave a great legacy, and that's exactly what Lois and Eunice did. But do you notice something here? There's something missing. Where is Timothy's biological father? Paul doesn't even mention him. And the truth is, 
Timothy's biological father was not a strong spiritual influence. We get a hint of this in the book of Acts. Acts 16 verse 1 says, Paul first went to Derby and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. His mother was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek. So what's the family history here? Timothy's mom, Eunice, had a, a Jewish background. And at some point, she came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and she gave her life to him. But now, Timothy's dad was a Greek. And of course, there's nothing wrong with being ethnically Greek, but here, the word Greek refers to a Gentile who does not worship the one true God. And most scholars believe that uh, Timothy's dad was not a Christian, and that left a big spiritual gap in his life. But that wasn't the end of the story, was it? We know that God provided Timothy with a mom and a grandma and a spiritual father who pointed him in the right direction. And Timothy became a strong follower of Jesus. And this is really encouraging because there's a, an important lesson here that applies to some of us. If you are someone who had a parent or a a grandparent or, or other uh, role models in your life, and they did not point you to Jesus, and they did not leave you with a good legacy, you don't have to follow in their footsteps. It's really encouraging. I've seen that play out in my family. Uh, my grandpa Hartley, my dad's dad, was not a great example. I never met grandpa. He died uh, before I was born, but I've heard stories, and I won't share those stories here. Most of the ones I've heard are not good. Uh, Grandpa, he was a veteran of World War I, and you heard that right, not World War II. He fought in the war that ended over 100 years ago. And looking back, I can see why Grandpa struggled. Uh, that war was a traumatic experience for him. And he came home with a serious case of PTSD. And again, I won't, I won't go into details, but I assure you, he did not leave my dad with a great legacy. In a way, though, my dad's story reminds me of Timothy. Because even though he didn't have that strong legacy from his biological father, his mom was a great woman of faith, my grandma Hartley. And then God also provided my dad with other spiritual fathers, spiritual brothers, men of faith. So like Timothy, my dad did not follow his dad's example. And I benefited from that. Dad is an amazing role model for me. I've never once doubted his love for me. I never once doubted his love for my mom. And I have never, not even once, doubted his love for Jesus. I'm so grateful for the legacy that he passed down, not only to me, but to my kids. And it will go on for generations. And at the end of the day, this is what matters most. The greatest legacy points others to Jesus. And you know, with God's help, we can do this, any of us. You don't have to be a superstar to leave a great legacy. Let's go back to 2 Timothy 
chapter 3, verse 15, right here, uh, Paul says, Timothy, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So he's taught from childhood. Who was it that taught Timothy? His grandma and his mom. They, they were not all stars. Most people don't know their names, but they had a huge impact. Timothy went on to become a, a, a great leader in the church. So if you're a parent, keep doing those simple things. Pray for your kids. Keep pointing them to Jesus by your words and by your actions. If you're not a parent, you still have a big role to play here. Every follower of Jesus can be an influence, a positive influence for someone else. That's exactly what Paul did. He never got married. He never had biological children. But he found a young man who needed a spiritual father, and, and Paul stepped into that role. Look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Right here, uh, Paul says something really cool. I, I love this. Paul says, you should know this, Timothy. Oh, sorry. He says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see what's happening here? For many years, Paul has invested in this younger man has taught him all kinds of great things about Jesus, about how to live, about the church. And then, after Paul passes down this great legacy, he encourages him to pay it forward and pass that same legacy down to others who would pass it down to others. It's about making disciples of Jesus who then make other disciples of Jesus. This is how the church is supposed to work, and it's a beautiful thing. But there's something else we need to notice about Paul here. Paul definitely encouraged and taught and challenged Timothy by his words. But remember what we said earlier. The life you live builds a stronger legacy than your words. So how did Paul do in this area? Well, if you know anything at all about Paul, you know that he absolutely walked the talk. Check out 2 Timothy 3 verse 10. Paul says, but you, Timothy, you certainly know what I teach and how I live and what my purpose in life is. You, you know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. You know, Paul really didn't need to say this, did he? Because Timothy already knew. Paul wasn't just a man who claimed to be a follower of Jesus. He actually followed Jesus. And Timothy saw that. Paul followed Jesus even when it got tough. Even when it required sacrifice or suffering. Paul really put his life in God's hands. His attitude was like, God, I'll say whatever you want me to say. And I'll do whatever you want me to do. Even if you want me to lay down my life, I'll do that too. Wow, when, when I see his example, ah, it's, it's really challenging. 
I'm super impressed by Paul, but you know what? I'm not Paul. You probably aren't either. It's hard to live up to his level of commitment. However, I'm confident that God can take me as I am and use me to lead, leave a, a great legacy. And I'm confident that he could do the same thing for you. And it may not be a Paul kind of legacy, but it might just be a Lois or a Eunice or an Onesiphorus type of legacy. So what have we seen today? No one leaves a great legacy by accident. The life you live builds a stronger legacy than the words you speak. You don't have to be a superstar to build a great legacy. And the greatest legacy points others to Jesus. I'll be honest here. I've been wrestling with these things all week. And I believe God has led me to a place of clarity. I believe in the, in the past few days, I have a clearer picture of the legacy that I want to leave. And it comes down to this. My wife and I have three kids. And down the road, after I'm gone, I want my kids to say three things. Number one, dad really loved us. Number two, dad really loved mom. And number three, dad really loved Jesus. If my kids are able to say those three things after I'm dead and gone, I'll be very happy with that. But what does that mean for me today? How can I be intentional about building this legacy right now? Well, for one thing, I can leave a legacy with my words. I can tell my kids that I love them every single day. I can tell my wife that I love her every single day. I can talk about my love for Jesus every single day. But we know this has to go beyond words, right? My actions tell the real story of my life. So, if I make it a priority to spend time with my kids and teach them and encourage them, discipline them, and just have fun together, my kids will remember that. And if I go out of my way to show love to my wife and serve her and find ways to bless her, my kids will see that and remember that too. But then there's something even more important. My kids need to see my love for Jesus, not just in my words, but in my actions. They need to see me follow Jesus even when it's uncomfortable. They need to see me love others the way Jesus loved others. And boy, that's challenging, isn't it? Because Jesus loved the people who were not easy to love. And he, he treated outcasts like family. He showed compassion to the poor and the sick and the oppressed. He sought out people who were spiritually lost, and he called them home. Well, that's another intimidating example, because I can't love like Jesus did, not by my own power. But the truth is, if I'm willing, and I go to God, and I ask Him to help me, the Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit will help me follow the example of Jesus. And so I have to ask myself, how am I doing? Am I seeking out lost people and pointing them to Jesus? Not just in my job as a minister, but in 
everyday life? Am I standing up for those who are oppressed or mistreated or vulnerable? Am I following his example? I can't just say that I follow Jesus. I have to actually do it. So, along these lines, I want to mention something specific. I I feel convicted to, to say something here. This week in particular, I've heard a lot of conversations around abortion. And this topic, ooh, it's, it's a hot-button issue in our culture. And you may have heard uh, lots of different messages here recently. But as you pray and as you think about how uh, to respond, where you stand on this subject, I want to encourage you, in the midst of everything else you hear, keep this one crucial question in the front of your mind. And here's the one crucial question. Is an unborn child an actual human being? Is an unborn child an actual human being? Boy, there's lots of different scenarios that people are pointing to and talking about, and I get that. I get that there are complicated issues But I am also confident that based on Scripture, based on science, based on my own experience as a parent, every unborn child is a precious child of God, a a living human being. So don't let other arguments distract you from that one important question. Is an unborn child an actual human being? If you're a follower of Jesus, your answer to that question will guide your response. So, what, how are we helping? How are we caring for others? You know, in this particular area, uh, coming up in the near future, our church will have an opportunity to care for unborn children and born children and their moms. And I'll tell you more about that very soon. But this is what I'm talking about. If we want to point the next generation to Jesus, they have to see us loving others in the way that Jesus did. And I know I have a long way to go, but I also know with God's help, I can grow in my love for him and my love for others. And if God can use me to leave a great legacy, I know he can use you as well. I've been thinking about people here at Plum Creek who have left behind a great legacy. And after being here 11 years, I've got a long list. But this week, uh, there's one person in particular that came to mind, and I wanted to close by uh, letting, letting you hear his story in his words. Rube McCain was a longtime member of Plum Creek, and if you ever met Rube, you know he was a character. He was one of a kind. But Rube left the kind of legacy that I want to leave. And I found an old video that we made with Rube in 2013, a long time ago. And this was just a few months before he passed away. So I want to let him share his story. Let's watch this together.
I'm uh, Rube McCain. I'm an old ex-elder here at Plum Creek. And I uh, want to let you know about some of my life story. Uh, my Christian life started when I got out of the Army in 1955, and I met uh, Betty Joe Reeves from Brighton County. Oh, man, she took my heart away. And uh, after a year, uh, we decided to get married. After a year of hugging and kissing, of course, and like everybody does, <laughs> you can cut that off if you want to. <laughs> anyway, uh, we uh, got married at the Bethany Church, and then uh, we moved to Covenant. We stayed there about four years, and uh, I went to the, we went to the Newport uh, Mission Church there. Don Wells, a minister at the time, and he stopped over one night after about a year of going there. Said, uh, "Hey, let's let's talk about the way to be a Christian." So he opened up scriptures, and and he started with a scripture, the plain story, and it's plain for everybody. And he said, "When do you want to be baptized?" I said, "Right now." So we went to Dayton Church in in, in Coldwater and baptized that same hour. And uh, sort of like the scriptures when they. Somebody met uh, the situation where they knew they ought to change their life, they did it. And that's what I did. And uh, so uh, after about four years ago, we moved to Grand Slick. We were invited to a revival at Plum Creek Christian Church at Wendell Cox. And we said, well, why don't we try this church? So we've been going there since 1961. That's a long time. <laughs> and they voted me in as a deacon. Uh, I don't know why, but they did. But then I was an elder in 1971 for 25 years. And Lord, it really helped me along those years. Now, my wife and I was married 52 years. And in uh, June of uh, 2006, uh, she had an MRI and she found out, we found out that she had ovarian cancer. And I said, I'll be with you as long as we, as, as long as you live. I'll take care of you. And I did. Uh, she lasted two and a half years. And I lost a wonderful wife. She is the one that really led me to Christ. There's no doubt about it. I do have joy, uh, even in my suffering. I just found out I had uh, terminal cancer in the bones through a tumor in my bladder. When I first found out, I, I had blood in my urine, and I, my family doctor says, okay, let's have a CAT scan. That CAT scan showed a, uh, a tumor in my bladder. And, uh, you know, that kind of scares you, but uh, I have to, you have to live what you got. And uh, then, then we went to a urologist, and uh, he, they scanned that, took part of it out, as big as a baseball, really. It's a big, big tumor. He didn't take it all. And then we next visit, we visited with him. He said, well, you got a cancer. It's progressive type cancer. And they said, okay, let's get a complete CAT scan and this uh, chest x-ray. That complete Check x-ray and a scan showed that I had cancer in the bones. And he said, sorry to give you the bad news, but that's it. And that's that's where I'm at right now. I'm just waiting for the Lord to come, one way or another. As <laughs> long as I can, I'm going to do what I'm doing now. And I like to do the devotions uh, once a month at the food chair. And anything else they want to ask me to do at church, I'm going to exercise as long as I can. Uh, I might get to the point where I can't walk. I made a wheelchair. So what? And, you know, as long as I, it's going to be some pain, I'm sure, because the doctor said uh, bone cancer is like uh, is like uh, termites in wood. So if that beats on your bones, you don't know what you, you know you know what you're going to end up. So whatever I end up, 
the Lord's going to be with me. If the Lord wants me with a heart attack or, uh, or he takes me with cancer, I'm ready to go at any time. So I would, the joy is, is, is that, I, that I got a place to go to. Because in our Father's house, there's many mansions. And one of them's for me. So one of these days, I, I, I would like for everyone to go there with me one of these days. So uh, I guess that's about all I want to say. <laughs>